Today's episode is all about the human potential. How can we expand from our childhood? What is possible for us as an adult? How can we create a truly fulfilling and happy life for ourselves? How can we become the fully realized authority of all of our decisions, the best version of ourselves? Personal and professional growth, the commitment to your best self. That's our topic here today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. For the most part, we are who we are. And yet, there's a human potential to go beyond what we know about ourselves, go beyond to what we may have seen only in a fleeting moment, during a sports match, or in a conversation, or in any other moment where we were greater than we thought we could be, for just a second. That potential of us to be different, to go further, to become aware of what's possible, lives in all of us. But how do we cultivate that moment? As with anything that we try to get better at, including getting better at who we are in the world, we can do that with the help of a trainer, or in this case, a coach. And that's our topic today, personal and professional growth, the commitment to your best self. All that and more coming up in just a minute here today on An Organic Conversation. I'm your host, Helge Helberg. And this show is made possible by Bare Belly Organics, offering a complete product line of natural sunscreens and organic skincare for children and adults, and even baby-safe creams and sunscreens. Bare Belly Organics uses natural minerals and organic ingredients and never harmful chemicals. Handmade sunscreens and organic skincare at barebellyorganics.com. And Fry Vineyards, in celebration of the 2017 Great American Solar Eclipse, Fry Vineyards, in collaboration with GreatAmericanEclipse.com, are proud to bring you a limited supply of special releases such as Umbra, Organic Zinfandel, Umbra Organic Chardonnay and Totality, their first organic sparkling wine, to celebrate the solar eclipse of 2017. Frywine.com That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Our topic in this hour is personal and professional growth, the commitment to your best self. 
what does it mean, and how do we get there? My guest today is Mark DiTagiani, executive coach. The website is betterleaders.us, who's joining me today here in this studio. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Helga. It's great to be here. Wonderful to have you. Thanks for making the journey out, and a journey it is. Let's start with, in your case, as an executive coach yourself, you started with being coached, as so many of us. When did you realize the need for personal growth? What was happening in your life? What, what does that even all mean? You know, as you said, this has been a journey. And uh, as I look back on where personal growth first really entered into my consciousness, I had a great childhood up until about the sixth or seventh grade when my parents split and my mother came out as a lesbian and it really changed my life and I became a very angry teenager. I spent a lot of time playing violent sports like football and lacrosse and luckily that's where I could express that anger. But as I grew and I started, I got out of college, I got into my professional life, I started having relationships, this anger always came up to destroy whatever was going on. I would get very angry at the drop of a hat and and you know it ruined a couple of my relationships and what was the anger about? Like what was you angry what were you angry about? I was off? I was angry at my mother for not being a normal mom. You know, and I was angry at my dad as well for the way that he ran away when that all happened. You know, I was fortunate to have as a roommate a guy who had gone through a program called LifeSpring. And he said, hey, Mark, you should really check this thing out. And he really cared a lot about me. And so I went to, uh, to LifeSpring and I went through that program and it was, it was a huge step for me. And ultimately what I learned about myself at that point was I'm not a victim. That, you know, blaming my mom, blaming my dad for my anger, for my inability to hold a relationship, for my excessive partying, it wasn't, it wasn't their fault. There's choices that I was making, and I came into my own power around that particular part. That was when I was in my early 20s. Or whosever fault it was, but it was no longer sering you, right? It was clearly not getting you to to the life that you had envisioned for yourself. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, that that sort of breakthrough lasted for a few years, I guess, And, and then I turned around and found out that things just weren't working. There was there was something missing. There was, yeah. You know, I was married. I was I was a f- new father, but I still felt like something was missing. And I went through a men's program um, at that point. And what I learned through that was really accessing my masculinity, my manhood, and reclaiming that as a part of who I am, and and not in an angry way that I thought that was what being a man was, but in a very loving and open and fatherly and husbandly way. And again, as the pattern has it, for a few years, things were kind of good. And then um, I went through some difficult professional situation and, you know, when the big meltdown happened. And I found myself kind of a bit broken again. And I reached out for a particular coach who helped me through uh, a process, and that was really the first time I did regular coaching. And then, you know, I met you. You know, we worked together for almost two years in a very intense way. And I think that's where 
really all of this stuff came together for me. You know, what I had done in Life Spring, what I had done in the Mankind Project, what I learned with you about the boy and the, the hurt boy who's underneath it and that my adult Mark can take care of that boy. And now I experience life in such a, a different way. And we'll want to talk yeah, about that yeah. in a second. Um, but I'm interested about you as well, Helga. I mean, you know, how did you come to this work? Yeah, it's it's interesting that the what you're pointing to is is the necessity, and that nobody of us has, or very few people, have grown up in just a perfect childhood setting or uh, early early life where we were recognized and supported and fostered exactly the way we needed to, right? Most of us have not. Uh, to nobody's fault, really. People, you know, parents do the, the best they can. It's not about giving blame to anyone. But we, we are, Carl Jung calls this individuation. We're individuals. And everyone does their best, but only we know who we really are. And hopefully we come to a place where we recognize we don't have the answers and it's our responsibility. Nobody else's is our responsibility to find ways to get closer to who we are. That's how it started as, um, and I don't think many of the listeners know that I do work as an executive coach in addition to being a radio host for an organic conversation. So just that as a background. But I, I was at my end 20s and I had finished a pretty successful music decade, a, a career in, as a singer in a rock a cappella band in Germany. And I realized through the death of one of my bandmates, she was 27 and died of leukemia, that I had so many questions about life that had not been answered by 29, that my current situation, my current life, my relationships that I had, certainly not my parents, could help me further answer, trying to find answers to those questions. Who am I? What is death? How do we live? How do we know? There were just lots of, you know, what, what may seem easy or logical to answer for some people. It wasn't for me at all. I had lived in this protected bubble in a way in Germany and out of college, had been a successful musician. And then at 29, everything fell apart with the death being confronted that closely. She was kind of my chosen family with that band touring for 10 years every day. So I knew... I had to seek out. And it's actually, it's called the hero's journey, I think. And it's mm -hmm. in every story, in every movie, you go out, you slay the dragon, whether that's an internal dragon or an external um, challenge, and you hopefully overcome it in order to return home, which is to return to yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's, it has been told you know, thousands of times mm -hmm. because it is part of, the, of the, the human makeup, of the human design. We have to venture out to, f to come back to ourselves. So I knew I needed to leave Hamburg in this case and came to the Bay Area because of the progressive nature that San Francisco and the Bay Area held for me. And really for the last 20 years have been studying the human mind, the human body, holistic nutrition, Jungian analysis, uh, Buddhism, like really anything that I could get my hands on to understand this thing that we call human or to understand this thing that is me further. And that has led me to coaching, to combine all the aspects of mind, body, and spirit, really, to make a whole being. And now I have the great pleasure, in addition to running this show, to work with executives or leaders, people in, who really take charge of their lives, such as yourself, to create what they want to create and, and help them with that. 
because as our parents were not able to know who we would become as an adult and what we exactly would need, I, in, in my experience, I believe we have to do that in the presence of somebody else, in the presence of another. We manifest in the presence of the other. And so just as with sports, sports has been a huge part of your life. In your youth, you had a trainer to, to push you and encourage you and support you to go beyond what's possible. In this case, the trained other when it comes to sports. A coach is very, very much like that when it comes to personal development. And that is our topic here today on An Organic Conversation, personal and professional growth, the commitment to your best self. And I'm here in the studio with my friend and colleague and also executive coach, Mark DiTagiani. Betterleaders.us is the website. And now we get to do that together. We go into companies and, and change leadership to a more loving and caring and aware form of leading people because we we know now in studies that the greatest thing a leader can do to somebody else is to recognize their specific value that they bring. Mm -hmm. Actually, this is more than money. The personal recognition part, because we are so less used to it, means much more to people really being seen and understood and supported than, than money. What have you encountered through all this? And, and you were touching about the, the means of personal growth. You had a couple of workshops, a men's group. What else do you know of that has helped you or that is accessible if somebody was interested and doesn't work, want to work with an executive coach or has not considered coaching yet? There are many forms in which personal development can take place. And there are a lot of forms. I mean, meditation has been one that's really helped uh, me over the last 18 months or so in combination with the coaching. There's certainly therapy as, as a choice for, for other people. That's a good point. How would you differentiate between therapy and coaching? You know, therapy, I think, is something that looks at what is broken and looks to fix that. And in tra traumatic experience, people get broken. Um, so I think there's a real need out there for that. Coaching, on the other hand, looks at who you are and the genius that you haven't yet uncovered. You know, what is it in you that you have these certain obstacles in? For, for instance, for me, what was behind all this anger? What was the opportunity behind the anger, right? And as I look back, you know, my father had a terrible relationship with his father. And my dad's relationship with me was filled with anger, you know, and what coaching came for me was I'm going to break that, that cycle of anger. And it's something that I've been able to do. And recently on a Father's Day received an amazing letter from my 13 year old son that really showed me that the cycle's broken, right? Whatever. Which is so beautiful to really, I, I, I just want to stop you there on your tracks that the generational transfer of pain, nobody's fault because you can go as back as you can possibly go generationally. We can only be as good as the generation before. That's what we are receiving. And then, but it's our choice to go beyond that, right? Yeah. To break that, to be the one to to say, no, I'm, I'm not going to follow that lineage. I'm going to do my work and and then so it's not just for us that's the beauty right yeah and, personal and, there's no personal growth that doesn't affect the whole world no exactly and and you know it what was, did he say what did your son well, say? well it was through coaching first of all that i ever realized that there was a possibility to do that right that i didn't have to just do 
what I did. But what my son said was he talked about the bond that we had through lacrosse and through music, and he's so grateful for that. And just the language that he used blew me away, and it made me realize that, yeah, that cycle has been been broken. broken. (laughs) Boom. You know, and if nothing else ever comes out of my coach, of being coached than that, that's worth it. Worth every second, every penny. You just gave him a better life because of your work. Yeah. Beautiful. Personal and professional growth, the commitment to your best self. That's our topic in this hour of an organic conversation. And the two guests, I guess, in the studio is uh, <laughs> Mark Detergiani, executive coach and dear friend and colleague of mine, and myself, as I also work as a coach. Our website is betterleaders.us or helgahelberg.com, of course, for the listeners that do not know that we or I work as a coach as well, in addition to being a radio host. So we talked about meditation. It's sometimes this world that people who meditate, of course, know exactly what you're talking about, whatever they follow as a meditation practice. But for people who have never meditated, and there are plenty of people, it seems like a a thing to do that without training or without really knowing what to do, you can sit there and close your eyes and follow your breath, and you don't even know if you're doing it right. How did you learn it? And more importantly, what do you actually do? Yeah, so I was one of those people who sat there and followed my breath and, you know, felt I was meditating, but I never really felt like I was going anywhere. And I discovered an app. It's called Headspace. And I use Headspace every morning now. It helps to guide me. It helps to motivate me to do it. And it gives me the sense that I'm making progress uh, because there's a lot of knowledge there that I don't have, and it guides me in growing through my meditation. Again, looking for a teacher, even if that's yeah. an app. What does that look like if you if you feel like sharing? How sure. do you meditate in the morning? What is, I, how long and what do you? I get up um, in the morning and and I do my meditation first off. I go out to my porch and I put on some headphones and plug it into the app and hit play. And I, you can choose times. I choose 15 minutes, uh, and that works well for me. There's a little bit of a setup in doing it, and then the fingers. So how about yourself? How does, uh, how does that work for you? <laughs> yeah, great. I, I love that, that we now have even for personal growth technology. You there's don't have to. Uh, yeah, there's an app for that. <laughs> I ended up in a meditation center in Santa Cruz somehow because of my neighbor and got invited and went a couple times, a few times, um, the Santa Cruz Zen Center, um, Everyday Dharma, beautiful teacher, Carolyn Atkinson, big shout out to her. And I found myself on the mat, and she was an amazing teacher, to just take the fear away of doing anything wrong. She said, Mm. just to sit here is the goal. This is it. There's There's no wrong. It is a practice. I think you do get better at it, meaning what do you do with thoughts that will surely come up, right? You you don't attach to it. You don't get upset with them. You notice them and say, hello, thought, and you let them go. It's really, it's, it is now at a place where it's one of the yummiest five or eight minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't sit there for hours, but just eight minutes usually is what I do. And it's my time. It's really my time. It's almost mm-hmm. like stepping onto a yoga mat for people who do yoga this is it. This is all I need. Me sitting there for eight minutes with a timer on my phone, closing my eyes, 
I follow the, the cold air when I breathe in on the tip of my nose to focus on and literally just pay attention to my in-breath and my out-breath and the, the space in between because there's a third space that people will find when you breathe out. You don't immediately breathe back in. You pause until the body breathes you again, which is also interesting that I'm not breathing. I'm being breathed mm. right <laughs> my yeah. body is breathing me automatically just like heartbeat i don't need to pay attention for the next heartbeat or the next breath it just happens so that alone to to surrender to all these processes that are happening without me needing to do anything i could really just sit there and pay attention to all the beauty and all that is happening naturally effortlessly sitting. I'm just sitting. I'm not even running or anything. I just sit there and pay attention to the coldness on my nose when I breathe in. And when I breathe out, letting it go. And then the pause until my body knows how to breathe again uh, without me need needing to be in charge. Mm -hmm. That is such a beautiful time. And that when I when the alarm comes on, eight minutes seems a very short time to to invest in that. I'm almost always disappointed that it's that short, mm. but it just makes me so joyous that in eight minutes you can completely find your center and your, you know, your your gravity yeah. again. So um, well, that's that's interesting. And and just this morning, actually, uh, my teacher, the the app, and there's a voice in there, put out there that you know the end of the meditation is really not the end of the meditation it's the beginning. the beginning that's right and the way it prepares you for the day and for the awareness of where you are and and who you are and investing that time into it and the feeling that you have as you go into the rest of your day yeah beautiful is is, a, is a just a huge and, impact and science has now shown that those you know all the ayurvedic and all the yoga and meditation and all that is now literally scientifically proven to change your brain chemistry right to get you into a more relaxed less stress out um, less fight or flight uh, state of mind which means you digest better when you eat it's that prayer before we eat right in this case literally uh, it, it resets your brain to a slightly happier, more relaxed place, and everything else benefits from it. Mm -hmm. Your presence, your entire day changes with just five minutes of closing your eyes and being mindful about it. That's just an unbelievable gift, and it's available to us for free, no charge. No, no, there's nobody who couldn't do that. So that's beautiful. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, of course, there's travel. I think many of us have experienced that when we travel and we are freed of all our you know, given or chosen circumstances and obligations that when we travel, especially if we don't plan every detail, mm. life is allowed to flow in. Oh, yeah. And that's that's exactly that space of flow and ease and us that we may recognize. What other forms do you, do you know? Well, I was going to speak a little bit about traveling. And, you know, I... I spent some time when I was a teacher I used to have the summers off and I used to just pack up my Chevy Blazer and be completely self-contained and just get out onto the road and drive and listen to music and go off onto where does this road go and just take it and and that being alone there's these moments I remember a moment when I saw the sunrise over the Grand Canyon that was one of the bigger than you bigger than so huge so <laughs> huge and I drove like a madman Helga to and, get I, there. And, I, and I saw the sun set at La Jolla Beach in California oh, good for you. so you know moments like that even you know those were completely me by myself. 
but they grew my experience of yeah. who I was and where I was going. And sun or not, but nature, of course, does that. Nature. If we oh, yeah. if we spend enough time, and we had many shows on the impact of nature on our again of our brain waves, instantly recognizable to that the fight and flight state is dropped and and the relaxation that comes in if we really interact with nature and turn our phones off and our connecting devices which often connect us to a more stressful more scheduled life mm. right that's what we are connecting with not a more relaxed life if you don't use the app but <laughs> yes wonderful personal and professional growth the commitment to your best self That's our topic here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg, and again with me in the studio is friend and colleague Mark DiTagiani, executive coach, par excellence on his own, and the website is betterleaders.us. We want to talk about uh, what have you discovered, how has your life changed, what can be created in professional and personal development right after the break. We're going to honor our underwriters, but we'll be right back with so much more. Stay tuned. This show is brought to you by Equal Exchange, a worker-owned cooperative that ensures your food is environmentally sound and socially just. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas, and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at equalexchange.coop. That's equalexchange.coop. And thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com. And by Adderley. Offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Each garment reduces our eco-footprint by preventing this fabric from reaching the waste stream. Utterly, making sustainability fashionable and fashion sustainable. For more information, utterly.co. That's U-T-T-E-R-L-Y dot C-O. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Personal and professional growth is our topic, the commitment to your best self. And I'm here in the studio with Mark DiTagiani, executive coach, betterleaders.us, the website. Mark, we talked about the forms of developing yourself further, spending time in nature, going on a road trip, traveling, certainly meditation. There are so many areas where we can touch that, where we can touch the possibility of what else can be part of us or what part in ourselves have we not cultivated further where we are shown. And it's so interesting that just when we go to the gym, we usually always use the muscle we are used to, right? Wherever we start with personal growth, however, at whatever age. But when you are an athlete, 
we go to the gym and we, we work out and we would always automatically use the muscles that we have, not the ones that are underdeveloped. And this is just a biological reaction, right? That's the, that's the one. You know the one you have. And to find the new one, to locate the new one, and then to, to have the discipline to practice the new one can almost only happen if you have somebody who can point it out. That's the idea between trainer and coach. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you know, an example of that would be what we've worked on, and that is awareness. My muscle of awareness uh, is something that we worked on at, with you as my coach, and now I continue to work on. And, and awareness being my awareness and that space between what triggers me and how my behavior comes from that trigger. And there used to be no space between those. Uh, something triggered me and a behavior would, would respond. Somebody, like what? Your somebody son, your somebody, son would say somebody cuts me off on the highway and I, you know, get angry and flip him a bird and, and yell at him, right? Uh, create all this stress in my own body right. in reaction to that. The muscle working on that space is, is something that I'm getting better at. I'm still not Which is at. becoming the observer of your own behavior. The observer, right? right? Exactly. Like, wow, look, okay, here, there it is. Okay, there's that feeling. There's that thing coming up. Okay, what am I going to do now? Having just a, a moment to recognize the trigger, maybe even say, okay, why is that triggering me right now? What's, what's that about? What's that about my uh, past or what is that underlying it? And how can I choose a different behavior, right? So, you know, you mentioned my son. If my son makes a mess, you know, I can yell at him about it and, and be triggered by my memory of my dad telling me to keep a clean room all the time. And, you know, or I can say, son, let's clean this up. It's your responsibility. You've made the mess. Let's clean it up. And it's interesting to me what you're describing this being the observer of yourself, right? The, in many disciplines, they say capital S self, the larger self, right? Looking at why did I say that? Or why did I react that way? Or what is my automatic response to this kind of situation? relationship, professional, whatever you, whatever triggers us, right? All the triggers, as you said, the space between trigger and reaction is awareness. Becoming the observer of your own self, having done that in your life, what have you discovered? What has changed through coaching? What's changed through coaching is really my entire life, both personally and professionally. First of all, as a profession, I am now a coach. And that's really in response to what I've gained from coaching and wanting to... And a great one. Yeah, thank you. And, <laughs> and, and wanting other people to have that same sense of balance and ease that, that I can experience. You know, it's still an up and down world and some days I'm better than others. But once that door is open and once you see and you can see yourself in that observer way that we talked about, you can't go back to, to not looking at it right and and that's the good news maybe in the bad news for some people but that's something that has really changed in my life is just that that opening that vision that I can now do this I don't have to be a slave to or a victim to my reactions my triggers 
And you're right. It's it's it is not easy work. Just as in the gym, if you you know correct your legs when you do whatever kind of exercise, and you use the muscle that is underutilized, that just for for perfect posture or correct posture, it gets so sore because for 20, 30, 40 years you have never used that. You have overcompensated with the other one. So when you do isolate that and and really train that muscle that you haven't used in order to become a, a complete, well-aligned being, uh, coaching is just like that, and personal growth is just like that, and it's not an easy path no, by any means. It's not an easy path, and as we've talked many times, it takes courage. And you know, having the courage to really go down and take a look at these things and be willing to do the work that comes along with this is something that, uh, you know, you've taught me a great deal about that courage not to know. So, yeah, good. I wanted to point out it's not just courage that you know you want to climb that mountain. It's the courage for what you don't even know is coming. I think that's one of the hardest courages to have. If you know you need to, you know, climb the mountain or swim the ocean, that's hard enough to to then jump in. But in this case, personal growth, you do not know what obstacles will come up. You do not know how hard it will be to apologize to your son who's 13 in a way that they understand or to yourself that you have not been the best dad you could be, right? And that you're honestly, in a way, repeating your dad's upbringing of you. And uh, again, no, no blame assigned to, but self-responsibility. It's hard work sometimes. What I love about what you were saying is we manifest in the presence of the other. So I know, having been your coach for two years before we teamed up, I know what it took you to kind of align all your relationships or you fully show up aligned in your relationships. Do you have some examples? What happened with your your son? He didn't just write you a letter one day and say, Dad, I love our bond. What was it in your development where you had to address some things in you? It really comes down to that muscle of awareness. What did you realize? What I realized was I reacted by yelling and anger to things that really didn't deserve yelling and anger. And once I made that realization and I could react in a different way, that's when my relationship with my son started to change and started to get better. It takes that that courage, you know, just like you're talking about in the gym to go in there and change it somehow because you don't know how it's going to land. You know, in my relationship with my wife, it's been an opening and, and it's been how I treat myself is how I treat other people in my life. And as I continue to work on being kind to myself and, and changing the conversation in my head, I can treat other people differently from that. And I think that's one of the other big things about, the, about coaching. You said we manifest in the presence of others. And, you know, this stuff has been running around in my head for years. <laughs> of you course. Know? Right. You know, and I've been trying to figure it out myself. Hey, well, you know, you <laughs> This do is not new and, to us. We no, know, you but. listen to something. But, you know, <laughs> there's something about that manifesting in the presence of others, that having a coach, an individual who is completely dedicated to you and your agenda and your success, that is amazing and is extremely powerful to have a partner like that, right? And, and Right, yeah. A coach's agenda is 
100% yours, right? Your agenda is the only agenda a coach has when they approach the work. And and you're right. Whatever people are realizing, whether that's their relationship to food, we manifest in the presence of the other. The other doesn't need to be human, right? It could be food. It could be porn. It could be stress management, inflammation, addictions of any kind, the way we communicate, the way we wake up, the way we dream, the way we live professionally, personally, if you can have an honest look and say, this is not who I want to be, right? This is, there needs to be something else possible, then it affects everything. I mean, even physically, I know you've dropped a bunch of weight and yeah. you look amazing. And Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've lost over 40 pounds in the last uh, couple of years. And it's as much what I'm eating, but it's also what, you what, carried. I, what I carried and what I let go <laughs> of. And You know, we were looking at some old pictures the other day, and uh, my son said, Dad, you really were fat. And so, and, and I, I loved him saying that because it means I'm not now. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we've been talking a lot about the, the personal, but maybe we can start talking about the professional a little bit. On Great, that side. yes. Yeah. And that is our topic personal and professional growth, the commitment to your best self. Uh, my guest, again, in the studio here is Mark DiTagiani, executive coach and a colleague of mine under betterleaders.us, where we do offer awareness, training, and collaboration and performance and recognition of team members and executives and leaders in a corporate setting. Uh, because you're right, this work of awareness, even though it translates into every area of your life, it doesn't have to start in the personal. It can absolutely be in the professional. And there are many studies now, again, that show how companies and people perform better because really business is personal. The greatest asset of any company is its people. So that is the part where we can have either as leaders, as executives, or as employees, as team members, uh, have a huge impact on how we feel, how we much we like the job, how much we feel this is where we actually have a fulfilling life. Because other than work and sleep, that's the majority of our time on this planet here for at least our working years. So it matters. And we do offer workshops with that. Can you, um, can you explain coaching puts the, the person front and center? What do we do? What do you do when you work with corporations? What's the single goal? You know, when we work with corporations, I mean, ultimately the goal is to have individuals be happier at work and have them collaborate better together. And as we've interviewed people and as we've researched this area, it's, it's simple. People want to be recognized and people want to be supported. And recognition certainly doesn't always mean money. And it often means a, a realization of the profound care that employees have for their jobs and for the, the companies that they work for. And I think as, as leaders get to understand that more, they need to align their care for what they're trying to accomplish with the care of their employees and ultimately the care of the corporation as well. And when those things are aligned, it's amazing how great things can happen. I mean, people who care collaborate. People who don't care, don't collapse. And those triggers that we mentioned before happen in the workplace oh. too, right? If you walk in and somebody's on their phone texting somebody and you are their superior or team leader, uh, it will have an effect on you. It will, you know, you will be thinking something. You're already in your groove of, wow, this person is not working. How do I address that? Ownership, 
how productive our meetings. I just read some statistics. I can't even recite the the result, but it was it was so ridiculous how many people think that most meetings that they have throughout the week are completely unproductive. If you multiply that uh, with the number of corporations and hours spent in pointless meetings or fairly unproductive meetings, it's fair to say we most likely are losing billions of dollars in in morale, in productivity, in results, uh, where people sit in meetings and there's no system in place to care enough to change that. Fascinating. So we just did a workshop with a company where we used the ABC of collaboration, which is awareness, behavior, and care with over 120 executives from actually different parts of the planet, 114 uh, countries or so, 120 executives, and it's not a U.S.-based problem or challenge. It's worldwide. It's a human challenge or opportunity. And we guided them through a process of creating that awareness, understanding what that is, and then having the courage to bring it up, to care enough to, to um, address it, even though we might not know how to change a challenge, right? But just to have the courage to voice it, because that's how change cre- is created. And doing that because we care. We, we are not going to walk into a, a family situation or work situation where we are not recognizing or seeing flow, harmony, collaboration, people trusting each other. If we see there can be improvements made, that's the beginning of change. It is. And, and one of the things that we've seen is when you give employees that space, when you will actually sit down they completely and listen excel, to them. Yeah. <laughs> they can't wait to tell you what they care about. They can't wait to ask the questions. They can't wait to put what their hearts are saying onto the table. And, and I think that's something that... And the creativity that's behind it, right? The, the ownership, the enrollment, yeah, yeah. what is possible, again, right to the beginning of the human potential to be fully engaged, in this case, team members of a company the productivity you unleash, the genius that's in the room, right? You always call it the answers in the room. If people are finally being recognized and listened to and honestly ask what would support look like and how, how can you bring your full self to this work? How many people are checked out at work or have already quit even? I worked at companies when I was young in Germany where I knew Honestly, half the workforce at least can't wait at four o'clock to drop the pen because they have already they're no they're already not here. That's all turning now. Oh yeah, and you dated yourself because you said drop the pen and not turn off the computer. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yes, you know, the, and I think corporations leaders are beginning to really understand that, and the companies that we work with realize that they need to do something more and you know the the stats that Gallup has that you know 70 percent of people are disengaged at work it hasn't changed in in 20 years you know is that going to be like that forever or is is there a way in our companies realizing that it's just good business to care to care yeah simple (laughs) it's simple Beautiful. We somehow were able to fit it all in one hour to just touch on this huge space of personal and professional growth of what is possible, the human potential, even as an individual or as a team, as a company. Today's episode was all about the human potential that can be changed, that can be unleashed, where we can add to our personality or realign, remember, 
uh, who we were and bring our full selves to our personal lives and professional lives. That's personal and professional growth, the commitment to your best self. That's this hour's topic here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg, and my guest today was Mark DiTagiani, also an executive coach. For the listeners that don't know that I also work as a coach, helgehelberg.com or betterleaders.us. Thank you so much, Mark, for coming in the studio. Such a pleasure. And hopefully we have inspired some people to maybe sit for five minutes and look at their lives and see if there's some more potential to improve it even further. Yeah, thank you, Helga. <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you, and it's always inspiring to be with you, my friend. I'll have you back soon. Thank Take care. You. And that's an hour focused on our best selves physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And, of course, physically, that means the healthiest food that we could possibly ingest. And that brings us right to the consumer update on what's coming into your retail store what, how to pick it, how to choose it, and what to do with it. The consumer segment from the San Francisco Produce Doc with Earl Herrick. Here is What's in Season. And with me now is Earl Herrick, the voice of the San Francisco Produce Market, the premier wholesale distributor of only organic fruits and vegetables of Earl's Organic Produce. Earl, are you there? That's right. That's what we do. That's who you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Earl, I don't know what you want to talk about, but I want to talk about something. We had this amazing conversation, you and I, about local Amazon buying Whole Foods. And yeah. so my awareness around local and corporate, th these two movements that have always happened, but all of a sudden there's this corporate wave in organic and there's this awareness right with it. Yin and yang, it's always happening at the same time. Mm. I walked into my local Whole Foods store and... I was stunned by right now, everything is in season. I would say 70% of what's offered there right now, which has nothing to do with Amazon quite yet, maybe, but um, yet. Is, is conventional. And I'm, mm. I'm looking at organic versus local, like what, you know, even though everything is kind of local in this moment, uh, everything mm -hmm. is grown in the widest Bay Area here in San Francisco, but uh, just really stunned of, how many things that could be organic are offered in quote-unquote non-organic form, but conventional really means they are sprayed. So, wow, what's what's yeah. your experience with that? Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Um, well, a couple things you touched on there, but I'll, I'll deal with the last one. We Whole Foods in particular, I don't know if, I, I don't want to sound like we're bashing or anything, because no. it's not so, but though it was amazing to me that people would, would go in there and expect everything to be organic. Now, I understand the lay, the lay person doesn't really have any relationship to that, and just because Whole Foods and organic this and that, they expect everything, and obviously it's not. The, but it seems like the trend yep. is even going to less organic. Well, this, Come on. Yeah, right. yeah. I think what you may be witnessing this year is, as we've talked in other segments, prices are high. Even though it's in the middle of the season, mm, good point. you would expect you would expect right, this. This is the best price it's going to have. Well, I think we had a segment not too long ago where we were talking about uh, stone fruit and how 
uh, there's less uh, volume on some of the product. I know we're paying more for stone fruit than we have perhaps ever, and that is because the supply just isn't there. So many, I've known that Whole Foods, because I've known many of the people that have worked there at a, at a, at a high level, that... They want to offer fresh produce, yeah, organic or not, got, at a somewhat reasonable price. Well, they got very sensitized to that whole paycheck uh, yeah, yeah. nickname. Which is good. And, and so they wanted to address that and go, well, I'm not going to pay 40 or $50 for a case of stone fruit. I'm going to pay half as much or whatever and have it be conventional. And at least it's my, my clients aren't getting sticker shock. Uh-huh. So, I mean, there's some, I think there's, there's obviously truth to that um, because that is the amount of money that's being spent. Um, But it it brings up the the need for education that you always talk about, which is, yes, being not certified organic doesn't mean you're a bad farm, first Mm -hmm. of all, period. It could mean you still use integrated pest management, you might not use pesticides, but we don't know. And it it takes that level of need for education, know your farmer, know Mm -hmm. really what you are buying, uh, because just because it's cheaper and not organic, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. We don't know what it means, right? It doesn't mean that's that it's right. as healthy or not as healthy, or yep. it just really brings up that need for education. Yeah, and it, it also that need for your relationship with your produce people. Uh-huh. So, it was asked the question. So, I see you're offering this conventional peach. I'm curious why you're doing that, and where's it grown? And because uh, and how is one it of grown? Blueberry, yeah. One of my blueberry growers one time uh-huh. said, "Earl, I can't be organic right now." I got I got a pest out there that I cannot Manage. get rid of, right. and I'm not going to lose everything. I'm going to pick it and have it be conventional and make some money rather than nothing. And you know, by golly, I'm I, I you know I'm not going to argue this Fair is her enough. land, this sure. is her livelihood. Of course, you know, not every grower will say that. Some will say, you know, I'll just lose it. Um, so. Yeah, there's lots of different pressures on growers. I mean, this is their livelihood, especially in something like an orchard, where they have one chance. You know, it's not a re- reoccurring row crop that yeah. you can plant three or four times. This is a one-shot deal. And they, they their whole year is in preparation, uh, cultivation practices, mm-hmm. you know, pruning the whole deal, and then bingo, they get attacked by, you know, whether it's weather or whether it's a pest. Which you know, is such, it's such a great nuance, honestly, because the, the conversation yeah. about what's more important, local or organic, I always uh-huh. say yeah. organic could mean it's from a you know multinational organic produce yep. company from halfway around the globe, uh, and, yep. and local could mean you have pesticides closer to your home. This yep. adds this nuance of know the story. It could be yeah. a totally committed organic farmer who says, if I lose this crop and I have to use this one material, which I really don't want to use, but this is the end of my farming if I don't. Precisely. And there, yeah, I have to do it this year and I'll be yep. back organic in three years. I know this That's is the right. price I need to pay, but this is my family and this is my land and I will lose everything if I don't. There is a local uh, uh, blueberry that comes out every year that that's sold around here by the retailers. They buy my blueberries, but this period of time they stop and they buy from this one farmer who is not organic, but they're unsprayed. Uh-huh. And what they do, they um, all their all their practices are are organic, other than they put fertilizer on for whatever reason. I've never talked to these folks, uh-huh. uh, and but they're sold and they're very good. So you know, um, know the story. Uh, support the growers. Encourage uh, if if you want organic uh, produce. Encourage them to do what they need to do and and find out what the challenges they have. Yeah, you know, uh, supporting them goes beyond just buying their product. 
Right, you right, know? exactly. And even if it comes from, you know, Costa Rica or halfway around the globe, there might be a family farm. I mean, the further mm -hmm. you go away, the more quantity uh, they need to produce in order to make it worthwhile to be an exporter. But yes. there are many small farmers, uh, you know, bananas, whatever product, avocados were where companies like Equal Exchange coordinate the sale, and I know you work with them. And so it could be an eight-acre farm that has, you know, 10 eight-acre farms combined that then ship all their product combined over to, to the U.S. And it's exactly the same small farm family story that we have 20 miles away from San Francisco. Know your farmer. Know how it's grown. Yeah. It's fun. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's important. It saves you money. It knows. It lets you know what you are buying and exactly what you're supporting. Right? Yes. Yeah. So know those stories. You know that's what we're committed to in our program. Uh, get behind the product. Understand. When I, I this was one of those years, I had more new growers come to me than ever, uh -huh. and we were able to really assist. I'm thinking particularly about these blueberry growers. One in in Tulare, which is in the San Joaquin, uh -huh. where they had never um, they had grown them, but this is the first year they had production, right. and they had no idea what to do. And it was just a wonderful year and a wonderful. Uh, opportunity to walk them through the whole process of a development of a label, sure. so what package use, and Amazing. what time of year we feel they could get the best return for their product. So, and to see that they had a great year is really, you know, the, like the cherry on top. That's um, our work, uh, and that's what the consumer is co-creating. <laughs> that's the beauty. That, yes, wonderful. Absolutely. Thank yep. you for bringing that up. I love these nuances to what is it, yes or no? You know, which answer is yeah. the right one? There's yeah. no right answer. Uh, yeah. There is a desire, and then the rest is education and learning more. Uh, yep. Beautiful. Thank you for, for bringing hey. that up. And uh, we will talk about food again. Or, well, we always <laughs> do, but some produce yep. item next week. Yes, we will, sir. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Earl. Great Thanks for your time. You. Talking to you Bye soon. Bye. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thank you so much for listening. 